very interesting editorial written in the Herald by Orwin Paul. And he's a pretty good rugby player himself, actually. But he says, you know, rugby has changed so very much in recent times, in the last 10 years or so. And he talks about Bill Bryson's book, The Body. And he notes that a teenager's brain is only about 80% completed and some development is to do with impulse control and risk aversion. These kids that Alwyn refers to playing first 15 rugby, they're big kids. We say they're kids, but they're kind of like kids in men's bodies. <laughs> they're 110 kilograms. They're smashing, smashing into each other at 25 k's an hour. So it's a pretty violent collision. And he's saying it could potentially be doing serious damage to their brains. So Alwyn's arguing that we don't put kids under 18 into elite level, you know, first 15 rugby. And maybe even under 22s shouldn't be playing super rugby because there's some prodigious talents that are at that level. So he joins us on the line to have a chat and then we'll open the phones. Hello, Alwyn, how are you? G'day. I'm good, thank you. Very nice to talk to you, Alwyn. Thank you so much for coming on the show with us. pleasure. So when did you first start, start becoming aware of the brain and young people and get concerned? Uh, you know, I've been in teaching for a while, and, and I played rugby probably from the time I was uh, eight, I guess, until I was the time I was 21, uh, and then uh, coached uh, because I, I had to stop playing because of a concussion. Mm. Um, and, you know, certainly those are, well, that and knee dislocations of all things uh uh, sort of one of the most horrible things that you see on a field, you know, where a kid or a, a, a man or a woman stands up and they've got no idea where they are. Um, and, you know, back in the day, we probably did some things worse than we do today and that would often say, how many fingers am I holding up? And if they could vaguely see them, we'd send them back out into it. Mm, yeah. um, so we have made some progress. But at the same time, in the last 25 years, um, the human race has got better and better at trying to work out what's going inside uh, our heads to do with our brains. Um, yeah. And so some of this uh, research is, is relatively new, um, but it, it's got some stunning consequences, uh, I believe. So Alwyn, both James and I played rugby. James is a much better rugby player than I was, but we played rugby for years. I know very much mm -hmm. about dislocations. I yeah. dislocated my left knee three times and my right oh. knee twice, and it's excruciating. It's just yeah. one of the most ghastly, sickly things. Concussions I'm not so familiar with, but James is. What do you say to the people that are already texting us saying, look, it's rugby. You know what mm. you're getting into. These young people um, just love playing the game. You can't stop them. Yeah, and I, I've got. I mean, I coached up to university uh, premier level in, in Auckland. I, you know, I coached a number of All Blacks and, and Super Rugby players. And uh, you, you know, I'm not saying that the game has to go, but we we have to improve our understanding of it. And when I sat down and looked through some of those stats, and you saw that, um, you know, the amount of rucks in a game, and since uh, the 2017 World Cup is is sort of up 300 percent. The amount of tackles that people are making is, is, is up about the same. And, of course, that's often concentrated in certain positions. I mean, your number six, seven, and eight uh, habitually make more tackles than others. And and in that position, they're often tackling, uh, you know, props or huge lots that are running at them. Um, people know what they're getting into. Uh, I, I'm not sure always that teenage boys do. Uh you know, um, there's something like a 400% risk uh, to a teenager's life if there's more than one of them in a car um, compared to them just a single driver. Uh, mm. In that group situation and that sort of very 
adrenaline-filled, do-it-for-the-school-type situation. There's not a lot of rational decision-making going on. Um, And and we don't don't always look ahead, do we? So, well, you know, 10 years' time, I wonder what's going to be happening to me. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing is, though, though that you're saying that uh, no one under the age of 17 should be playing first 15 rugby. What would you say to the people that are saying, look, they're big enough, if they're big enough, hard enough to play first 15 rugby, they've been through trials and so on, what is the problem? They're, they're all, they all know what they're getting into. Yeah, well, I disagree that they do know what they're getting into. Uh, and the um, consequences... Uh, of the repeated head knots is not not often explained to kids and to their families. And, and so, I mean, one thing I think you know schools ought to do is sit down and, and, and be incredibly honest and think about all of the protocols that they need to put in place to a degree to protect these young people from themselves. But the second issue is that uh, you know, I know that the average age when I coached the child was this thing was was sort of in the mid sixteens. And, and, and so there might be something where you can sort of play with those ages, but the real concern is that you can have uh, an 18-year-old uh, in a 22-year-old's body. They're all gym trained now. It's not just, hey, go and do two laps. We'll do some training yeah. and, and then we'll, you know, these guys have put on some serious bulk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even things like your knee ligaments, um, uh, the strength of your neck, um all sorts of things are really differently developed at 15 than they are at 18. And, mm. and that, that would be one of my huge concerns, that you've not only got sort of physical mismatches going on, um, but, but you've also got these sort of emotional mismatches. I wonder too, Alwyn, you, you know, I, I think these kids are playing up to 25 games a year and then they've got their trainings two, three times a week on top and that's often contact training. Would it, would yeah. it help you somewhat if they were limited in the number of games, so maybe they only play half that amount of games per year, but they can still be a player, would that not do it for you? No, I mean, I think thing, having some questions like that's a really good start um, because it's the it's the continuity of contact. So, I mean, if you, you can imagine, you, you see a, a, a bruise on your, on your leg or something, and over a period of time, that, that bruise goes away, but you know, sometimes it can be five or six, seven days. Um, the problem is we can't see the bruising that's inside our head. Mm. And so we need to find out more about it. But I, I think we're better to err on the side of caution. So if a player could only play two games out of three, uh, and, uh, you know, the coach and the, and the medical people and the managers could, could work that stuff out, I, all of these things may well make a difference. But just continuing what we're currently doing uh, is, I think, putting these kids at huge risk. But Orwin, wouldn't this wouldn't this put um, rugby at a lower level at the same sort of risk? Because it's all relative, you know. You've got um, you've still got kids of say sixteen who are mm-hmm. smashing into each other, and they've got the same risk as those seventeen and eighteen year olds that you're talking about. So, isn't this putting the whole game at risk? Um, well, I think ultimately that's a question. Uh, you know, should should a game like this be played? But I. I my gut feeling to that is yes, but we need to take more care. Um, I think if you're putting young people more definitely into their developmental stages, they're less likely to have those actions. But also, we really do have to think about how the game's played. 
uh, and it's, it's not just a safety thing. I mean, it's pretty boring uh, mm. at this point. And, and I don't know whether the, the creatives like a Carlos Spencer uh, would really have a place uh, in the game anymore. And, and guys like, I mean, you think back to Terry Wright and, and you know, people mm. who look like they weighed sort of 11 stone dripping wet. Yeah. Um, the, the trend is just to get bigger and bigger in every single position. Um, yeah. That's why I find it fearful when Damien McKenzie takes a ball up from fullback. Sure, and I'm like, sure. holy smoke, he looks like a wee piece of white bait. Well, we had a, at university, we had a wonderful fullback, a, a, a man called Brent Ward, who still uh, is a super rugby player and works in the Auckland Rugby Union. And, and I don't know why Wardy used to do it, but most kicks he'd catch, he'd turn around and look for the nearest person uh, who was a lot bigger than him and just run straight into him. Mm. And. Mm. I said after the game, well, there's a lot of space around those people. Shall we explore that? And uh, (laughs) he was a a great player, and I think he scored 11 tries in the next three games. Mm. Um, And to me, that that kind of um, style and influence is is important. Mm. Um, But how you do it with these juggernauts uh, lined up, you know, 13 across the field and only sending two into a ruck is debatable. Yeah. It's a very interesting discussion. Alwyn, thanks for your piece this morning in the Herald, and thanks for chatting with us now. We're going to um, open the phones, and I'm sure it'll provide a very interesting piece of fodder here because we're already getting lots of texts on it about what you're saying. So, mate, really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much.